you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL Podcast. Celebrates good times. Come on. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. What is happening? What a day. Week one. Week one. More like week fun. That's the new slogan the NFL will roll out for week ones going forward. You you put away your slogans. I'm bringing up sloganeering's coming back effective next week because I just thought about it at this very second, so it's too late for the week, beginning of season slogan. But for the kickoff weekend, week one, more like week fun. Somehow they're going to grab that slogan and you will receive in the end no credit and no financial compensation for coming up with it, I predict. But it's not an exaggeration. I mean, everyone's always, oh, this is the best week ever. This is the best week one ever. There were seven or eight games that ended in the last drive at the last second. Big comebacks. I mean, the NFL came through. You couldn't have asked for a better first week. From a personal standpoint, things could have been a lot better, but (laughs) we'll get to that. And uh, but a lot of games came right down to the wire, Wes, and uh, you like that, don't you? Yeah, I had a couple of them I was watching that came down to the wire. Just don't expect an upset today because they didn't happen. Exactly. Nope. And we are taping this um, during the uh, beginning of the Sunday night football game, and we are actually uh, doing this on Periscope right now for the first time ever. We're giving it a shot. Uh, we heard from the corporate overlords on the third floor uh people that don't listen to our show, there will be no YouTube show uh, on Sundays. So instead, we are uh, taking this into our own hands, giving it to the people on Periscope. And, you know, that's listen, man, you can't hold us down. No, I huh? think, look, we're about the podcast. We're the number one podcast on NFL media by far for a reason because we love the podcast. So I think this is cool what we got going on with Periscope. It might look a little better next week. We might have someone from the NFL helping us and actually kind of walking around room and taping us, but uh, this is cool. And we don't mind being a completely rogue operation if it calls for it. <laughs> There's a 50% chance they'll take this away from us as well. I would so imagine. We'll just play it by ear. But a lot of football to talk about. Greg, you, you're giddy. I'm, let's get to it. <laughs> so let's do it. Irishman, let's talk about some football. Let's do it. And just as an Easter egg, yes. 
I'm going to pop up somewhere in there on this periscope, so watch out. Ooh, okay. <laughs> is that what an Easter egg is? Professional football in America is a special game, a unique game. Played nowhere else on earth, it is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. Oh, yeah, there we go. Let's start talking about, for the first time in the history of this show, gentlemen, the first game on Sunday that we're recapping is an Oakland Raiders game, and they deserve it because a team that uh, in down one point tying a game late on a touchdown pass, or was it a run? I can't recall, but they got within one point, and what does Jack Del Rio do? He hangs some serious onion. You notice these um, onions are sitting on top of the ground. <laughs> I mean, serious onion, going for two. Derek Carr rewards his uh, coach's belief and converts to Michael Crabtree, of all people, making the big catch in the Superdome where he was not able to make the catch in the Super Bowl once upon a time. And the result, 35-34. The Raiders beat the Saints in New Orleans, uh, a late 61-yard attempt by Will Lutz, who's a person. Uh, It went (laughs) wide uh, right or left, so... Uh, Greg, your thoughts about an amazing game. Will Lutz, he is a person. Uh, well, I think Wes should really start this one. He, he watched it better, but it, it just goes to show you can't buy too much hype about the Saints defense in the offseason. They were actually doing pretty well outside of one drive where Amari Cooper trashed the New Orleans secondary until Delvin Bro went down mm. with what turned out to be, I believe, a fractured fibula. Uh, that was a problem for the Saints, but this was actually two – Two defenses that really had trouble with the pass. Mm. For three and a half quarters, it looked like Drew Brees could do whatever he wanted. And actually, all the way through the game, Drew Brees, Willie Sneed, Brandon Cooks, that was the story of the game, really, until Jack Del Rio basically just said, I'm not going to overtime because I don't trust my defense to stop Drew Brees. Now, when they when they were lining up to go for that two, and this is, I believe I saw it was the fourth or fifth time in NFL history that a team went for two to win the game in the closing seconds of the game. The first time since 08, uh, I believe it was. John Gruden did it once. You thought they shouldn't do it. You you thought... Who's you? Know, you? Uh, Wesseling thought that, you know, you, you shouldn't go for I two. Thought they go left, for the I thought they left way too much time on the clock for Drew Brees to have a field goal drive. You were right. And they came down and almost... It only came like a yard short of, and of winning the game. You know who else thought... Uh, um, should who else thought they should have went for one, not two? The math nerds, who I've always been on the other side <laughs> oh, of the fence on. on. Oh yeah, you know I've never been on in lockstep. Uh, ESPN stats and research released a stat, but that statistically the odds for winning were more in the favor to kick the PAT and then try to win in overtime than going for two and then holding off uh, Drew Brees at the end. And guess what, Jack Del Rio, who's feeling himself with those big old onions. <laughs> Uh, replies, good thing uh, ESPN doesn't coach the Raiders. And I, because it was my favorite call in a long time uh, uh, in terms of a coach call, let's hear the call from the Raiders bro- broadcast. If you don't make this, you lose. Yeah. Very simply. Kyrie McGunn. We're going to the same formation. We're going to motion Alawale to the left of Kyrie McGunn. A two-pointer to go up by a point. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it! He caught it! He caught it! The Raiders have the lead! 35-34! Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree! Inside the Superdome in New Orleans where they gave him three shots to win the Super Bowl for the 49ers, and he couldn't do it. 
Great call right there. What a Love great it. call. Who was on that yeah. call? Do we, do we know, Brandon? Oh, that's uh, that's Papa. Greg Papa, I believe. I believe is that right? Bob Papa's brother? I believe so, yeah. I believe that is Greg Papa. Greg and Papa. What, a, what a call to call up that chart, that Crabtree moment, not in the same end zone that Mark, you and I, and, and Dan uh, saw him come up short in the Superdome. But Absolutely. Awesome. What, a, what a fun ending. Well, and how encouraging for, I think, for both teams on offense to find out, you know, after a lot of hype for the Raiders, how much offensive firepower you really have. I wonder... If it's the acid test did not come this week for either team against these defenses, though, it seems. I thought the Raiders' secondary, which we crowed about all August and offseason, was going to show up today, and they did the reverse. Mm. Well, well, it's a reminder Sean, the preseason sometimes doesn't matter because the, the Saints' offense in the preseason, there were a lot of worries about. Sean Smith signed a four-year, $40 million contract away from the Chiefs to land with the Raiders, mm. and he was benched by the third quarter. He was the victim <laughs> on Brandon Benched Cooks. in week one. Victim on Brandon Cook's 98-yard franchise record touchdown for the longest touchdown in Saints history. And he was also – I think he was beaten by Willie Sneed on a couple of plays too. Willie Sneed looked great in this game. And Michael Thomas, for all of the hype, I mean, he looked good, reeled in all six of his targets. But Willie Sneed seems like he's their number two, not not Michael Thomas. He is – he's a really interesting player, not a big physical guy, but he makes big physical – catches and to me if you're a Saints fan or someone that supports them this is about as crushing as it gets to me because I know okay the offense look good there's good things to feel they had according to the the box score in terms of the QB hits and the sacks almost no pressure on Derek Carr and it feels like more of the same you well know, it's every Saints it's every Saints game ever is right but is. you were hoping maybe this would somehow be different and instead you lose your your best cornerback here for a long time neither team got pressure Drew Brees, 14th career 400-yard performance. Let's move on to another great game. And you guys, if you listened to our podcast on Thursday, I did make the announcement that if the Jaguars uh, did not show up in this game against the Packers, I was stepping away from the uh, profession here through the offseason <laughs> after all the hype around the Jags. And you know what? They didn't win this game against the Packers, but they put up a fight, and that's enough to keep me uh, employed during the winter. But with the Jaguars in position for a game-winning touchdown, time running out, Quinton Rollins, Mika Hyde, and Demarius Randall all made big plays, closing it out. So the defense of the Packers stood strong, uh, stood tall, a 27-23 to win in Jacksonville, Greg. Uh, what were your takeaways here? Well, you you watch week one and you're expecting, okay, what offseason narrative is going to be blown up? What's my big takeaway? And sometimes, and I, and I think this was partly true on Thursday night, sometimes it's just two teams that look pretty good and they look pretty even playing a well-played game that really you had no idea who's going to win. It comes down to the last possession. To me, the Packers secondary uh, was something I wanted to highlight because I, I think they were a key to the game. Quentin Rollins, who got picked on, ended up making a big-time play to break up a play to Allen Robinson. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix made some big plays. And I think both secondaries looked very good in this game. A lot of the problems that the Packers had on offense last year had happened in this game. They weren't making plays early in the down. They counted on Aaron Rodgers to just make crazy plays. And you know what? He made them. He beat the Jaguars. He, he made all the big plays when he needed to. And the Packers' defense, to me, was just a little bit better today. It seemed to me, from what I saw, that Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers, there's still work to go in terms of their chemistry, that he was not... It, it Maybe it resembled last year's offense to some degree because you're not getting a 100% Nelson out there on the field. Nine targets for Nelson for 32 yards. So that's that's not a very efficient... He caught six of them for five yards per catch, but it, you know there was no vertical element whatsoever 
uh, in the Packers game. Uh, Devontae Adams had one chance for a long catch, and he, and he dropped it. And the Nelson touchdown, which helped fantasy leaguers, came kind of on a broken play. Both of Rodgers' touchdowns were just unbelievable individual efforts, which reminded me a little bit of last September. I think- yeah, last September, Rodgers carried this team with unbelievable, unrepeatable performances that can't go on all season and if Jordy Nelson doesn't get back to 100% I think that's a problem he had all day to throw and they still have no vertical element I was going to say give give Jordy Nelson a month I want right. to see where he is let him get his feet back under him and, and their offensive line played really well the Packers offensive line and Eddie Lacy both played really well. I mean Dan you have a sandwich riding on the fact that Green Bay's offense won't just be vertical and intriguing but mm-hmm. record setting potentially well I look at the positive and I, I got they have to average 32 points a game to hit 530 for the season, which is going to be tough. They didn't even really get it together today. They got 27. So I just need like a 40-point game next week, and we're, out, we're right on pace. I like that outlook. If yeah. you're if you're a Jaguars fan, I think that the most disappointing part was you didn't really see any difference in a pass rush. Dante Fowler did not have a good game. They, they really didn't get after Rodgers at all. I was amazed. I, I think that all the investment they put in the secondary, Jalen Ramsey, Prince of Mukamara, um, uh, their safeties had a good game. That all looked good, and that that all looked promising that they would be better. A little uh, disappointed in Blake Bortles, your boy. No, he was solid. Kind of Bortlesy though, right? You know, he made he made a couple mistakes, but actually, he was the biggest mistakes were really like time management, not being able to get the plays in and delay of games, and they used the timeouts very poorly. Well, and no, Chris Ivory takes away a big part of what this team wanted to do and how they wanted to reorganize their ground game. I mean, they their preseason work on the ground looked great when Ivory and Yeldon were together. Did we get any info on that? He was in the hospital for a medical issue? Some sort of illness is what uh, our guy, NFL Network insider Ian Rapport, reported, but they didn't really expound on that, and the right. Jaguars were not able to run the ball, and the Jag- and the Packers, I think, really did everything possible to prevent big plays, and that's ha-ha Clinton Dix, and they did a great job. They threw the ball 15 times to Allen Robinson for only 72 yards, uh, so they, they had a tough time going deep. Let's move on to uh, a thriller late game, uh, and Wes, it's, it's time to welcome him back because Victor Cruz, playing in his first game in 700 days, had the go-ahead touchdown score in Big D, the difference in a 2019 win by the Giants over the Cowboys, a game uh, that went down to literally the last second. Dak Prescott trying to lead Dallas into field goal range with one minute to play. Um, a pass to Terrence Williams, cardinal mistake by Williams, who instead of going out of bounds and giving Dan Bailey a shot of a long field goal or perhaps a Hail Mary from Prescott, instead the clock runs out and the Giants escape with the win. Mark Sessler, your thoughts. Well, it was really a tale. And people are going to focus on that last drive for Dak Prescott, but it was really a tale of two halves in my book because the first half, what we saw from Prescott and the Cowboys was – absolute proof that 2014 can be brought back to life in Dallas. They controlled the clock for 20 plus minutes. Their first four drives were, I believe it was 15 plays, 15 plays, 11 plays, and seven, all for scores. And so Prescott out of the gate looked very comfortable running the offense. I think he made a number of nice throws. They let him throw the ball 45 times. And then in the second half, it was the Giants who, you know, they got in the red zone three times and scored three touchdowns. And Eli Manning, whether you like him or not, Eli Manning made a couple of big throws. And towards the end, 
what revealed to me was with Dallas and their run defense just allowed an uninspiring Giants run game to pound them up the middle over and over. Mm. And New York really, they, they hung in this game. And I think with Dallas, it's not, there's not a lot of panic here. There's a, I think Prescott has a lot to offer, but this one got away from them. Well, we thought that Ezekiel Elliott and Des Bryant would give the Cowboys two big play threats, home run hitters, and that didn't really happen today. Des Bryant had the one catch overturned that would have been a touchdown, but it sounds like Des was kind of an afterthought. It's not, fo- yeah. it's not football season until a Des uh, Bryant big play gets overturned, but that was the right <laughs> call, right? I, I think it was the right call. It looked a little, you know, I think I'm with Wes. Who knows what a catch is anymore? But it, you Wes know, was it, angry about this. It, 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 well, I just, it doesn't touch the ground and. It's not a catch. I don't understand. It, it changed the game entirely. And I think, honestly, it took it took Des Bryant out of this game a little bit because he seemed, and a lot of beat writers noted this too, that he was just, his demeanor was a little bit tilted in the second half. And with Elliott, I, I have no questions about Elliott in general, but I think that the Giants deserve credit for this defensive line showed up against a very good offensive line, held Elliott to 2.5 yards per carry. Well, what about Jason Pierre-Paul? I saw a couple... couple tweets and you know I haven't watched the game fully yet but just saying that he was all over the place and that's making me feel pretty good about a forgotten sandwich uh, prop we have long ago Mario Williams versus JPP and Mario Williams was concussed Mm, bad week. Well, you're off to a good start. Thing like, right. like the offensive line for the, the Cowboys. expense of Mario was this, Williams. Was yep. this just your way to brag about JPP? No, I wanted I wanted to hear hear about the Cowboys offensive line because. We think of them as the best group in the league, but it sounds like they didn't really win their matchups today. Well, they didn't. They didn't record a sack on on Dak Prescott. That's to do with his mobility, but also just the fact that you are playing the number one line in pro football. But when it came to the ground game, I, I think that Dallas, if they want it, if their plan is to run for 160, 170 yards a game, they can't do what happened today. I want to hear um, because the Oakland one was excellent. I'm hoping for a meltdown by the local Dallas guys on the Terrence Williams play. Do we have that, Irish? Here it is. 12 seconds left, third down, back to throw. Throws it out right. Caught, get out of bounds! <laughs> to the 40-yard line, it's in the field of play. Who was that? Charles oh. Williams. He didn't get out of bounds, it, and the clock over. is going to expire oh. right now. And the game is over. If Terrence Williams had yeah. turned right wow. instead of left, they would have had at least one more play. Let me say this. That was shocking to me. Let me say this about uh, these Giants-Cowboys games because I know they're not very popular around these parts. They're always entertaining. <laughs> I enjoy them. always this, very this competitive was, games with, game. with dramatic endings a lot of times. This one was no different. Terrence Williams' miscue was like the Chris Webber timeout in college basketball. <laughs> wow. You're probably going to lose the game anyway. I mean, it, the Cowboys have very little chance to win in that situation. But that image you'll remember is of Des Bryant just pointing, go out of bounds, go mm, out of bounds, right. and him ignoring it. And before we move on, Wes, I think yeah. time to welcome – Victor Cruz, welcome back. First touchdown in 721 days. He's an actual football player again. He's back on your radar. It was the go-ahead touchdown, and he also had on another drive a very big catch that helped him score another another touchdown as well. Happy for him. I don't know about that salsa dance, but it's good to have him back on the field. (laughs) I know it's only week one, but that's losing a home game to a division foe is the worst possible loss you can have. It just stings a little extra in week one. Let's move on. Matt Prater. A man who I remember uh, the Super Bowl a few years back with the 49ers uh, uh, wearing a studded earring in his earlobe, which I was like, kicker, you can't do that, bro. And then today, uh, Matt Prater, he was all set up to be the GOAT. 
because he missed an extra point that looked like it was going to cost the Detroit Lions a game. But he comes back. It's put, the Lions move down the field against the Indianapolis Colts. Prater hits the 43-yarder. And that was it. The final score, the Detroit Lions 39, Indianapolis Colts 35. The score got to from 37 to 35 on an absurd <laughs> multilateral uh, desperation uh, attempt by the Colts special teams that ended in a safety. Uh, but this was a game, uh, Greg Rosenthal, that the Lions almost let get away. But you got to give them credit. They got gumption. You have to give them credit. It was the exact type of game whoever had the ball last was going to win. These defenses had nothing. It looked like the Lions were going up against a practice squad type of team. And we've talked about the Colts injuries. They lost their – remember they entered this game without their top two cornerbacks. They lost two of their top three cornerbacks in this game. So with that situation, you think Matthew Stafford should rack up 450 total yards. I was really impressed by the way Andrew Luck went up and down the field like it was 2014. Once it was 21-3, to I believe. It was late in the second quarter. They put up 32 points from that point forward. They did whatever they wanted. So everyone on offense has to feel good about this game. But I'm going to get on Chuck Pagano and the Colts offense for taking a bizarre timeout with 115 left. Ended up, you know, it, it's easy to point fingers now, but it ended up giving them the Lions time to win the game. You know how Mark is the quiet storm on Sundays? There's he sure like is. This storm below the surface. That's how I am with premature honking on Twitter mm. during games. Yes. And I was getting messages in the first quarter, the first half. Shouldn't we just admit that Andrew Luck's not very good? <laughs> oh, I saw on. one of those, too. I, you know what? Come and, back to it. Andrew Luck looks like a 49ers quarterback. I, that was one of the tweets, too. And I'm just like, all right, mute. I might have muted at least 1,000 times today. So, you, wait, you muting, not blocking. Well, it depends on the it depends on the infraction. This Wes is in love now. <laughs> That's true. He's got a, a paramour. It's a kinder, softer, softer. In the old days, West. he's blocking you. Maybe. See, if you're at Periscope, you can well, see. Or the there's, look only that like, West, there's only like there's only like 20 American there. citizens that haven't been blocked by Wes <laughs> at this point, so he's only got so much audience but left you're, to work with. If you're gonna do premature honking and all you people crying about the Titans as team of ATL because they didn't show up, mm. it's week one. Tweak one! In the old days, Wes would block you. He'd look up your uh, IP address. He'd send men to your doors to break your knees. Yeah. Now, he's hitting the mute. Next next thing you know, he'll be like, oh, that's a good point. I differ in my opinion. <laughs> Come on over to my house. But football is great for that reason. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not likely to say premature honking is a good idea. <laughs> Does it feel like the Colts, like Andrew Luck could lead the lead in, league in touchdown passes, but the Colts go 6-10 and 10 because, as we've talked about, Ryan Grigson has to, has put together a team that is mass is bizarre. The way uh, it's put together is a terrible bizarre. roster. It's a terrible. It's roster. He's getting it's, fired it's, in January. The coach is getting fired. Ah, it's a little. And, and you know what? I will do <laughs> some premature that. honking. <laughs> this team, the, he is going to be the new Andrew Luck is going to be the new Dan Marino until they get better uh, support system around him. I can honk about the coach and GM. I think Andrew Luck is beyond reproach. But I'm not going to get excited about this team until they got some better talent. Well, I always trust an offense, and if not for that. A ridiculously fast, I think 50-second, 50-yard, whatever it was, that the Lions field goal drive to win this game. This would have been the story of the day. One of the stories in the NFL would have been Luck's comeback and the way that they just went up and down the field. I was really impressed. Granted, their defense bad, but in this AFC South, that their offense, I think, should be enough to keep them around. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. What? They're gone. No. Nope. You said. I like Hooter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Marvin Jones also. What's not to like about Cooter? Yeah, I want to – the Lions, uh, Marvin Jones. Jim Bob Cooter. And the up-tempo 
offense, and I know they were playing the offensive Colts, coordinator, but Riddick and Abdullah both had fantastic games. They used them in very smart ways. Cooter with the brains. Oh, I love Cooter. Like, here's the thing, and this I I said this not not to you know toot the old horn. I don't do that. But on Thursday show, I said, isn't it possible that the, the Blinds could be an entertaining team, especially if Abdullah gets heated up and this Marvin Jones Golden Tate thing is interesting and Stafford has a good Stafford season? They look like a fun team to watch. I got a lot of positive tweets about Amir Abdullah today. People really liked what they saw. Yeah, he, he was he was terrific, made a lot of people miss. Theo Riddick at the end of the game had a, had a drive where, I mean, he was calling up the ghosts of Barry Sanders. I know Barry's still alive, but. Wow, I was going to say, was that breaking news? I'm just saying. <laughs> How do yeah. ghosts work in your world? I don't know. Well, the, the, the plane ghost, you know, he's making people miss. It was an outrageous drive. When you watch it on Game Pass, you'll know what I'm talking about. All right. All right, let's move on. So Barry Sanders alive. He's alive. All right, another you breaking news. Barry. <laughs> <laughs> this just in from Los Angeles, Barry Sanders not dead. <laughs> so reassuring to know that. Yeah. Moving on. Jameis Winston. Oh, Greg. Speaking of honking, Jameis Winston, Greg's All boy, early. got off to a slow start on Sunday against the Falcons, but then went nuts. After he started 2 of 5 with a pick, he went off 21 of 28 with four touchdowns, including some beautiful deep ball hookups with Austin Safarian Jenkins and Mike Evans. And that was all the Bucks would need. They ended up with a 31 to 24 win in Atlanta. Uh, not in the new facility, by the way. That new facility opens <laughs> next year. Yes, correct. This is at the Georgia Dome. So, so many spine-tingling moments through the years in the Georgia Dome. It's sad to see the final opening game at the Georgia Dome be a, a, a defeat. But, Greg, you don't care about that. <laughs> You're excited about Jameis Winston because you got like 17,000 sandwich wagers tied to him. My sandwiches are looking good. I need them to make the playoffs. They are in sole possession of first place in the NFC. Well, South, you need them South. to play the Falcons defense every week. <laughs> yeah, that would that would help. Everything you would want to see in a Bucks game week one happen. Mike Evans going deep uh, like he did a couple years ago, a little more consistent. Doug Martin and Charles Sims both made really big plays. Winston bounced back. The thing I like most about him is that he's always aggressive. Like, he can have a terrible first quarter, but he's going to always keep gunning. Question for you, because there was a lot of chatter about can we take our our no-huddle, fast-paced approach into enemy territory, and they talk about maybe not doing as much of that, but they were so effective in the preseason doing that. Was that how they operated today? It, at points they did, at points they didn't. Uh, it definitely worked in the second quarter. I mean, they, they were a streaky team. This game was up and down, and the Falcons fought back. As, as well as Jameis Winston played, I think Matt Ryan might have played even better in this game. It, it, this loss was not on him. Uh, he led them back on a tough uh, comeback and really played well. But the, the Falcons had no running game to speak of. Tevin Coleman was in the mix a lot and was a big factor, made some great plays in the passing game. But the Falcons just couldn't push the Bucks around up front, and the Bucks had a little more of a pass rush th- than they than they have in, in years past. Is Quan Alexander making the lead? I think Quan... <laughs> Quan has Greg to... Is in heaven. Can we isolate that? <laughs> Quan Alexander has to pass our friend on the desk, Quan Lam, in the Quan power ranking. Whoa. Whoa. You know, Quan's got a bit of a temper on him. I'd be careful with that yeah. comment. He's the number one Quan. 17 tackles. King Quan? A sack, two tackles for loss. He was everywhere. And Levante David had three tackles for loss. He looks like Levante David again. And the two of them, I'm not saying they're the best linebacker group in the league, but they've got to be among the fastest and the most exciting to watch. Just a note, downstairs, I mean, Greg, you know, absolutely glowing during this uh, this event, <laughs> this whole game. 
But they're a little bubbling up conversation about the Bucks being the team of ATN and ATL. And listen, Wes and I shot that down right away. Post the team of ATN. Based on two items. One, yes. their field, which is too sunny, and we've discussed that. It's hard to watch. That, that, that can negate an opportunity. I'm just saying it's, it's, oh, wait, it's a factor. I can get over that. The second one is the Bucks uniform. And it's important to note that Greg is colorblind. <laughs> so it's not an issue for Greg, but for the rest of us, it would be a large issue. I, their uh, uniforms are literally vomit-inducing. One day I had a hangover, and their uniforms made me sick. You know, I remember this old Chris Wesley and I used to know and love that said, oh, I have an open mind. I always I want to watch the football and see what inspires me. <laughs> I'm not going to just go in. I'm going to give these teams a chance. Give Sorry, them a, the uniforms give, are a deal-breaker. Give them a chance. The way, it's a new West. Breaker. That's ridiculous. That's, that is weird, Wes. Come on, man. It's hideous. It's like well, I him. can't watch the Jets either. These Bucks are exciting. Wait, what's wrong with the <laughs> Jets uniform? <laughs> They're hideous. They they make every player look ten times slower than they are in real life. <laughs> I'm not even going to justify that. I thought you were a football man. By the way, my boy Shalin Patel over in uh, Tampa, big Bucks fan, texted me on Friday. Good to know some folks at NFL.com aren't sleeping on Jameis and the Bucks. Your boy Rosenthal is on point. So I love it. Who is the person that texted you? My boy Shalin. Shalin okay. knows what he's talking about. So you are nationally known as someone who is connected to this team. You got to be feeling good. I I am. You're I, like Joe Buck's fan's favorite writer. <laughs> it's like me, Jameis Winston. That's who people think of when they think of the Bucks. No doubt. Uh, speaking of potential team of ATNer, The heavy favorite uh, going into week one was the Tennessee Titans, uh, which made their uh, play on Sunday a little bit troublesome. They failed to move the ball, uh, it appears at least, based on the score, a 25-16 to defeat to the Minnesota Vikings, a very good team, obviously. Uh, but Chris Wessling, uh, you are uh, the king of the committee to nominate and elect the Titans as a team of ATL. Anything in this game will start from the Tennessee side that had you a little nervous. Well, they weren't just the favorite entering week one. They were the prohibitive favorite entering the third quarter of this game. They were in complete control and then absolutely melted down after Marcus Mariota threw a pick six on a careless play in which he just didn't see Eric Kendricks. And then they fumble on a read option snap between Mariota and DeMarcus Murray, DeMarco Murray. Then Murray fumbles again. It was those three second-half turnovers that doomed the Titans. They actually outgained the Vikings in mm. this game. You yeah. want to write a book how not to be the team of ATL. I think losing at home to Sean Hill has to be the first chapter. Well, I it's think they point. lost to the Vikings defense, though, because it sounds like you know Connor Orr was at the game and did a great write-up. And he was glowing. I was IMing with him during the game. He was glowing over this team, saying how fun they were to watch, how the way that they used players and moved them around pre-snap were almost, it was like it was artistry. Well, that's why I was confused because I heard the same things. And then with three minutes in the fourth quarter, they had 10 points. So I was wondering what I what think they missing? got off to a fast the start and the wheels turnover. came off. The second half turnovers was what it was. But if you are, if you're trying to get away from being the Titans. Uh, you can't lay an egg like this in week one because especially with Mike Malarkey involved, and I know we move past that as a problem, uh, That this was a very Mike Malarkey type way to start a season. Well, you know how they're built. They are not a team that's going to come from behind. They Once they lose the lead, I don't know if there's any coming back. And I, <laughs> well, as much that. as I like Mariota, there was no deep ball again today. Hmm. Well, and also this is a team that I think we wouldn't have been surprised had they come out 
it may be against Minnesota, but in general, 180 yards rushing, kind of just keep dominating the way. 2.9 yards per attempt with 64 wow. total yards. Well, that that's the thing. Their style invites games to be close. So it can feel like they're the dominant team in the first half, but you're only up 10 points. And if you're that type of team, you can't have turnovers. And you really need to have a better defense if you're going to be a, a Defense contender. wasn't too bad. They they had Adrian Peterson had the one of the worst games of his career today. Is is uh did Sean Hill do enough to keep the job in week two? I thought he did. If you would have asked me at halftime, I would have thought Sam Bradford was going to come into that game, and then mm. he came out in the second half, led a few drives, and really the Titans were stacking the box, so they made it easy on Sean Hill. And Stephon Diggs had a really good game mm. and made them pay for stacking the box. Derrick Henry do anything? Derrick Henry turned a basically a one-yard dump-off pass into a 29-yard gain, but he didn't do much as a runner, and they didn't. I didn't think they used him enough as a runner. How about – Tajay Sharp, am I still alive in my sandwich bet that he might potentially lead all rookie receivers? He is catches. <laughs> he is locked and loaded as the number one receiver. No doubt. He is the go to target for Mariota. Seven he just said catches. he was loaded. He was drunk at the game, and that's gotta make you nervous. <laughs> still had seven catches inebriated. Pretty he good. Had a good game. Vikings gotta be fired up to win. Oh, they gotta be feeling good they now. Win a game like this on the road with, with Hill. I, I tend without to, Adrian Peterson. They got up I tend to think Sam Bradford's definitely starting week two, but maybe I'm crazy. Well politically, that, how do you keep Sam Bradford on the bench after you just ship the and first you, and all the pick. all the hype about Stephon Diggs kind of taking making a leap this offseason and he comes through with 103 yards. He had a good game. I, I agree. I think they'll have to go with Bradford and maybe a lot of Sean Hill's success today was just that the Titans were stacking the box and it made it easy for any quarterback to go out there and move the ball. Oh, I love this by the way. They have a game uh next week against the Packers. The Vikings do. You saying? Yeah, the Vikings do in their building. Mm. Win that football game, and everyone's going to be saying, oh, "Teddy, who?" They're, they're still going to do it. Well, they're a balanced team. I think that's. I'm what looking. It's about. That's the way the football cognoscenti operates. They cast humans aside. I will still have Mr. Bridgewater in my thoughts. It would be an so. aggro response for the fan base for that to be it. That's all I'm saying. Well, okay, let's move on. Oh, another season of Cleveland Browns football is underway, and the man that they essentially said, we don't want that guy. We're going to trade him somewhere else and get all the draft picks. Carson Wentz starts against the Brownies in week one, and he plays very well. 22 of 37, 278 yards, two touchdowns through the air. That would be enough because the Browns could not move the ball themselves. A 29-10 to 10 win for the Eagles in Philly. A nice start to the season for the Eagles, Mark. Did you like the way Carson Wentz played football today? I did. I, I Number one, I don't even want to judge quarterbacks entirely on their first season of play. So a first game, I don't know what to expect in certain atmospheres depending on what team you're on. Carson Wentz. For me, and there's a reason I liked him in the in the potential of Cleveland taking him is because he very much fits an AFC North type quarterback, but he also fits Philadelphia Eagles football. This guy is aggressive. He throws the ball downfield. He is one thing I like about him is he got rocked a couple times today and did not. He just kept his footing and finished with the pass. Now I still think Carson Wentz. He's raw. There's still work to be done. He sails passes high. There were mistakes to be made, but at the same time, you know, he kept generating points. 
It was one pass after next where it was a great catch combination with a good throw, but Wentz keeps moving the ball where on the opposite side of the field, you're seeing what someone without Carson Wentz did and without the parts around the quarterback. Philadelphia is a much better place for a rookie quarterback to beat in Cleveland. Is the Browns' defense so inept that we should take this performance with a grain of salt? The Browns' defense, one thing I thought that they tackled better than they did in the preseason, they were probably the worst tackling team I've seen in years in the preseason. They shored that up. I think that there's major issues because they can't stop the run and their secondary is an absolute mess. So yes, I don't think it's a game that we can say, here's what we can really tell about Carson Wentz, that he's going to go out and face much tougher opponents over the next month. Right. They, they, gave, they gave up 400 yards to a team that we said that had among the worst receiver groups. Now they got Jordan Matthews back. Well, they made Jordan Matthews look like Mike, a young Michael Irvin. And then, and then Carson Wentz in, in his, first, his first start. How did RG3 look against the good Eagles. I also think it's hard to... RG3, it seems like Cleveland has a deep ball or bust offense. That's all they have. You, you connect a couple deep good. passes. You cannot run the ball. You know, RG3 was their leading rusher going into the fourth quarter, and then they got some yardage in garbage time when they were... It was past situations where they were running with, with Isaiah Crowell. I think it is a very incomplete offense that is weeks and months and maybe even seasons away from hey, really that, having the parts in place to compete. That's not going to work. Season, multiple seasons. Well, well, I'm they saying okay. I'm progress. saying they're going to need a whole nother draft and a whole nother free agency period to Im- to impose their will on teams. This is where it, f- it could feel like a bit of a con if you if you say there's no you don't even have to show strides in year one because we have all these draft picks in that year and that year. You got to make some progress. Where is Duke Johnson in this game plan? Three rushes and three catches. I thought I, he was supposed to be a, I, a, a weapon in this. I think what I think the, I think the big mistake in Cleveland was you had a good offensive line when you had nothing else on the team for a long time, and then when you finally start building, getting some other parts in place, some wide receivers. I mean, RG three got rocked in the second half of this game. He's hurt. Three sacks. He's hurt. He he heard a dislocated elbow or, or left shoulder. Strained shoulder. Strained shoulder. But he looked like he got hit in the head too a couple times. I I, I don't know how long RG three lasts. At all, or how many? How any quarterback? It's one thing I don't understand, mate. I got two targets for no catches, no yardage. I was one of the best tight ends, mate, all season. On Gary Bunch, and now you don't even target me in the offense. Uh, not mega, mate. Well, he threw a, two passes to Gary Barnage that Gary Barnage should have caught. And, and, and one in the first drive bad, that slowed things down. Secondly, Gary Barnage, when Josh McCown was not on the field last season, was a very different player. And his line over the course of a year would have been very different. And so sometimes some of these guys match up well with a certain quarterback. We're not seeing that with RG3 and Gary Barnage. Will you provide us with one word to describe Cam Irving, Brown Center? Uh, flighty. Okay. And I'll say because he flew us, he flew a snap right over RG3's head for a for a safety, and that is the moment when people in the office were saying, "Oh, Cleveland's still game." I'll tell you, you know, I said at certain point, usually it's in the first or second quarter with a Browns game, game over, and I'm 81 for 81 calling these <laughs> games, and I did it again. The Browns should not play in Week One. Mark in a sneaky, solid mood all day. Kind of seemed like you thought. Well, that was coming. honestly, I think that other, unlike other years, and I honestly, the Eagles deserve to be talked about much more than the Browns. The Browns do not deserve much billing this entire season. I know they're not going to win these games. Mm-hmm. Well, and so we... there's no emotion attached to it. Dan, uh, the, the Periscope crew just wanted to let you know. They appreciated the, the Barnage impression. Oh, you? thanks, mate. <laughs> um, that was a little Australian. But, uh, <laughs> wow, Jordan Matthews having that breakout year. He looked great, and I think that had a lot to do with him lining up against a 33-year-old Tremont Williams in the slot. 
also lining up quite a bit outside in this game, which he is did. different than the Chip Kelly era. Let's move on, gentlemen, and talk about those Houston uh, Texans who have a new quarterback and a new running back. And for one week, uh, at least, things look to be all good in Houston. The Texans got a lot out of their boy, Lamar Miller, who had a career-high 28 carries for 106 yards to go along with four catches. He led the way in a 23-14 to win over the Chicago Bears. Mark Sessler, tell me about the new-look Texans offense, Brock Osweiler and Lamar Miller leading the way, and a rookie. Yeah, I think, I think that th- those are the two big takeaways. Lamar Miller is going to get fed 28 carries today. They're not going to shy away or play games with him. Uh, he, he looked very good at times, had a costly fumble. And, you know, the Texans kind of – this was a weird game where the Bears looked like the better team for, for early parts of this. But Will Fuller. What an exciting Excited rookie. Well. Yes, because, you know, we, we, he, had, he dropped what would have been an electrifying touch, long touchdown catch, but he made up for it. Five catches, 107 yards, a touchdown, and he's just someone that the minute he catches the ball, everyone on defense is scared that they're close to having to try to tackle this guy. He's an unusual athlete, and he adds a completely different dimension across from DeAndre Hopkins wow. and makes Brock Osweiler look better than Brock Osweiler is. I think that speed... I think Kevin Patrick wrote the write-up and, and mentioned that he's the perfect complement to DeAndre Hopkins, and I think that's why the Texans didn't take Laquan Treadwell or someone like that. They wanted his speed out there. Well, people yeah. criticized that pick a little bit, and you said unusual athlete, and I, I think that's right. Fuller really stands out on the field, which doesn't happen a lot with NFL players. And to think that he's an unusual athlete opposite DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of, in the best ways, the most unusual athletes in the NFL – Watch out. How did J.J. Watt look? Well, I think J.J. Watt did all he could to get out here for week one, but this was not the defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt. Not a lot of pressure. And, I mean, honestly. Did he play a lot of snaps? Was he on the field a lot? He, he played a bunch, but yeah. it was not. It was, it was just a matter of him not being the guy that you're normal, right. not used to seeing. I, the, the other story across the field, Alshon Jeffrey had a great game. And, really, this Bears team, which I ripped on Thursday's podcast they hung in here. They they hung in here for much longer than I thought they would, and I don't think that they're going to be a, a especially frisky team. But they are this John Foxy type team that's going to hang around in certain games. They entered the fourth quarter with a lead. It looks like they did, and their offensive line is a mess. But they, you know, they. I'm not a, I'm not in love with their ground game, but the, but the Alshon Jeffrey thing. If they can keep him going, they can they can make plays. Clowny breakout season: three QB hits, tackle, two tackles for loss, and a sack in week one. All right, let's move on. All hail, A.J. Green, the underappreciated superstar. A.J. Green single-handedly saved the Bengals today, who were outplayed in so many ways by the New York Jets in the Meadowlands, but Green kept on making plays uh, with mostly Darrell Rivas in coverage, it should be noted. 12 for 180 and a touchdown for A.J. Green and a big uh, reception uh, late in the fourth quarter that set up a field goal by Mike Nugent. That was the difference in the game. 23-22 Bengals over the Jets. And uh, it was a game that, like I said, the Jets should have won this game. They had seven sacks of uh, Andy Dalton. And I give Andy Dalton a lot of credit, too. When a quarterback gets sacked seven times, including five times in the first half, some guys would you know, not have their eyes downfield or look a little happy in the pocket. He didn't look like any of that. He played a very good game after a slow start and led them to the go-ahead and game-winning field goal and uh, on that Jets defensive line, which could be scary, by the way, because Sheldon Richardson suspended this week 
And Steve McClendon, who is the replacement for Snacks, uh, two and a half sacks. Leonard Williams, a making the leap candidate uh, here on the NFL.com, uh, around the NFL page, two sacks all over the field. Wow. Looked like Geno Atkins, and Geno Atkins was playing in the game. He looked more like Geno Atkins. Uh, but Ten QB hits and seven sacks. Absolutely no reason the Jets let this get away. And it, it, Nine tackles for loss, too. That's wild. I really feel like Andy Dalton has turned the corner in his career. I he, think he has, too. I mean, he the Jets absolutely – were assaulting him very early. He threw a bad pick when he was under duress, but he just hung in the game. And I listen, this is a good team. The Bengals are a very good team. So as a Jets fan, you 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 chalk it up to, you know, you just got beat on a late kick. But at the same time, in this stretch of games, six games where they need to win three of them to be have a pulse going into the second half, to give one away at home like this. Yeah, a killer. and I was sitting next to you all day, and I could tell that you really, really wanted and needed this win because here's what's coming up for the New York Jets. The Bills, the Chiefs. On a short week in Buffalo. Right, so forget the Bills. That's not the hardest thing in the world. But Chiefs, Seahawks, Steelers, and Cardinals Ouch. are your four games after that. That's why you Where do you needed, get a win in there? You needed to win that game uh, today. Because the Bills, they might not be a great team, but they swept the Jets last year. And on a short week on the road, when the Bills lost in week one, that's a very tough game. Uh, you know who I need to check in with? Because uh, living out in L.A., I don't have a lot of people to vent to about the Jets. Not a lot of Jet fans in the office. Sure. So I like to you know, talk to my dad, Keith, who you guys have all met. Oh, yeah. Great, and, um, great hair. Dad likes to uh, leave me a voicemail because he knows I'm busy on Sunday. So I figured, why don't we hear from Keith Hansis, <laughs> longtime Jets fan, uh, his favorite player, Joe Namath, growing up. In fact, uh, my dad once uh, went to the old Hofstra training camp um, with a buddy uh, one summer in, I think, 1971 or so, and saw Joe Willie sneaking in uh, drunk with a teammate right before curfew. And um, so my dad goes <laughs> way back with the Jets, a lot of suffering. Here's what he had to say about the game. Here's my review of the uh, Jets. Bengals, number one, <laughs> failure in the red zone. They True. were uh, able to score in the red zone, and the number of times they were down there, they would have, this game wouldn't have been close. Number two, Folk cost them four points. Oh, number Nick three, Falk. big drop by Marshall at midfield at the end, yep. followed by Fitzpatrick's interception. So the, the offense failed when they, they had basically 56 seconds to get within field goal range, which they should have been able to do. Before offensive play calling in the red zone, the imagination down there was terrible today. And then the last thing, and I think the biggest thing, was the defense, which played great in terms of getting a lot of sacks and some stuffs on the run. But the big thing is Cincinnati did the screen that was successful where Green got 180 yards, which for the most part was done on the just screens. So that's the review of the game. Bad loss for the Jets on opening day. I feel for your dad. dad. I mean, I hanging out with your dad one time before the Super Bowl that he went to, and we went. This was in New Orleans, and we went out for drinks. And we, you know, I tried to explain how hard it is to be a Browns fan, but hearing your dad talk about the Jets and how hard it's been for him going back way back when. I mean, this he's actually his behavior is very good here because I'm sure he's quite quite irritated. I think Dan's got to be a little worried that Keith's analysis just ends up overwhelming Dan's Jets analysis. Absolutely, (laughs) he he filled in everything uh, better than I could. So. My dad, my dad's been through it all. With Darrell Revis in coverage, AJ Green, ten of ten, for 152 yards in a TD and a perfect 158.3. 
quarterback rating for Wow. Yeah, are we allowed to be concerned about Revis? Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, the 54-yard touchdown, which is how Cincinnati got on the board, that was a miscommunication in the secondary. He thought he had safety help, and the safety kind of froze. So that wasn't all on Revis. But in the old days, Revis would have taken care of it anyway. He wouldn't have needed a safety. And the reception at the end that allowed uh, Nugent to have a 45-yard kick instead of a 53-yard kick is just because what we saw last year, and I hope there was the wrist injury last year, but it looks like it's a situation where, and Green got the reception to put them in better range, it looks like Revis just isn't at that level anymore, and he's going to not, there's no more Revis Island against a level quarterback, uh, a wide receiver at that level. It's just those days are over. Well, this season is set up to be the A.J. Green season because of the lack of options and just the point of his career and the point of Andy Dalton's career. He has a great chance to lead the league in receiving and just be in the mix. It's criminal that he's never mentioned in the conversations with Antonio Browns and Julio Jones. Absolutely should be. And you know, I was thinking watching the end of the game you now sort of expect Andy Dalton and the Bengals to win these games late or to make the drive late because he did it so many times so, in the first half of last year so different than the Cincinnati Bengals that I've known for 30 years or 40 years and one last note on the Bengals defense which played uh, very well Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker who were the best tandem in the league I thought last year held to five catches in about 60 yards hmm. and uh, Marshall as my dad referenced had a terrible drop in that last possession that stuff happens that's a good defense no matter who's coaching under Marvin Lewis, their secondary always plays well. Yep. That's a good team. I think this could be the year, Wes. That they win a playoff West game? West of this could come to Come a on. They were like 11-0 and 0 last year, and everyone thought they were like one of the best teams in the NFL. Let's, okay. let's talk again in January. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Oh, disaster for the San Diego Chargers, who uh, jumped out to a 21-3 on the road in Kansas City. A shocking situation where uh, for a long stretch in this game, this looked like a game that was uh, – in San Diego's hands for a big the upset of the uh, upset of the week, then disaster strikes. First off, fourth year wide out Keenan Allen, who when he's on the field is almost impossible to cover, as we've seen when he's healthy. He goes down with a non-contact knee injury, and it's one of those bad ones where the cart comes out and the player is crying as he's getting carted out. As of this podcast, we don't know how bad it is, but I certainly would not be surprised if that's the last time we see Keenan Allen. And then to compound matters for the Chargers, they blow the game. Uh, Alex Smith leads the Chiefs all the way back uh, with a late touchdown. uh, And then in overtime, Smith goes in uh, on a design run play, a 33-27 win for the Chiefs over the Chargers. And like I said, Mark, a crushing loss for the Chargers, who not only lose a golden opportunity to set the tone for the season in a a beautiful way. They might have lost one of their most important players. Yeah, I mean, you talk about what teams do all offseason is you add players and try to come up with your philosophy on offense. And the whole plan here was to have Keenan Allen paired with Travis Benjamin. You have Keenan Allen, who's your do-everything guy, and Travis Benjamin, who's your deep threat that takes you know defensive guys and takes them the other side like of the field. A little bit like DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. Exactly. And now, and I can tell you this from experience, Travis Benjamin is a talented athlete, but he is not a number one receiver. Seven catches for 32 yards. It's it's not a good situation, and it, it the kind of things that happened today completely overshadows what was a really nice game by Melvin Gordon and what looked like Spicy. at the gate a massive uprising for the Chargers. Instead, it's a crushing loss. Got to be one of the biggest comeback losses they've ever had. Nobody is is smarting right now worse than the Chargers who are going to wake oh, yeah. up tomorrow feeling like a bomb went off. Well, the the theme to me in a lot of these games was teams. 
the way they were last year, that, that's how they were a lot of times today. The Bengals come back to win a game. The Seahawks find a way to win close. The Broncos had that late game magic. The Chargers think, think they're in a good shape. And what happens? Injuries and just a calamity loss that you can't believe to just feel like, oh, it, it's all starting over again has to be so disappointing if you're a Chargers fan. Jamal Charles didn't play in this game either, as we know. And Spencer Ware wow. is proving himself over and over again as a, a guy that could be a starter for almost any team in the league. He had 11 uh, carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. That's an average of almost six and a half yards a carry. And then receiving, he's, he was targeted eight times, seven catches for 129 yards. I mean, this guy is a really talented guy. And when Jamal Charles comes back, I know this guy, Jamal Charles, is an all-time type player. There's no way that he's not going to be splitting carries. Yeah, I agree with you. He's going to be splitting carries. He's going to be eased back in. And real quick on Keenan Allen, there are never in the NFL more than 10 or 12 guys at a time who are legitimate number one receivers, which means draw and beat double coverage, come up big in third down, come up big in the red zone, and make plays down the field. Keenan Allen is one of those guys. And if you look at Phillip Rivers without him, mm-hmm. he's 19-19 and 19 with Keenan Allen in the lineup, 3-8 and eight with Keenan Allen on the sideline. His passer rating is 18 points better with Keenan Allen in the lineup. Yeah, no, and it's no last year Johnson either, so they have a lack of depth there. They do, and last year, 90 yards more per game with Allen in the lineup. I mean, it's this is he was stat. a centerpiece for them. Incredible Should we be concerned stat. at all about the Chiefs getting down the way they did in this game? That's not the Chiefs from last year. It's week, it, you know, the Chiefs especially, you can say this, it's week one. They have been blown out by some bad teams in week one over the last three or four years, including the Titans a couple years ago. You're right. And... And I, I just saw Chiefs fans, you know, tweet it basically. Oh, it's Week One disaster all over again. It's tough to tell. I mean, I tend to think with these the Week One, sometimes in the second half, these players aren't used to playing so much. Like maybe it's a sign that the Chargers defense has a little something. I'm not giving up on them, and they just ended up wilting against a powerful team on the road that had a lot of snaps. Uh, how's our periscope doing? Our periscope has been going up and down. We were up to 1,200 viewers at one point. That was cool. You know, we're we got people. Making uh, anti-Semitic jokes against me—it's it's, it's wow. well, That's that's unacceptable. But I noticed that uh, that, really? that I, Irish came in here at one point for his so-called Easter egg, and the numbers dipped significantly. <laughs> so let's not try that act again. At least should tweet it, it out again. By fifty people, it dipped when I did that. I just want to say, anybody that's affiliated with the KKK or any other hate group, you're not welcome to our periscope. Not at all. Or if you just have negative feelings about people based on their race or creed. I want you out. Take a hike. Or Beat Creed it. the band. If you like Creed, you're out. Beat it. <laughs> if you like Creed. My sacrifice uh, when you are with me. <laughs> that, always, that always freaks me. Wait, now bomb. the Periscope crowd gets to look at Greg's body language. When I'm free. I'm a hairless bee. I don't think that's a lyric. but You know the Creed lyrics pretty well. Listen, I was of that generation. You were in your own world. Like, oh, you know, I was in New Orleans. It was a you know, very cool hip-hop culture. I don't know what's going on in the mainstream. I was like a 20-year-old kid that was a round creed at all times, whether I wanted it or not. Take it easy, bro, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you just you threw that at me. I had to come back a little bit. But I don't, you know, I would never make fun of your, your, your creed. I see what you did. Oh, wow. I see nice, what you did there. Nice I like that. Day. Nailed it. All right, let's move on. Let's put the uh, train back on the old tracks, fellas. And let's talk about a team that uh, that should not be too proud of themselves. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who, to me, you take care of business. Week one in your building against the flawed Miami Dolphins team. 
take the gift from the schedule makers, go win the football game. But here they were uh, with one minute to play. They had not scored a touchdown. Uh, And then what happens? Russell Wilson banged up uh, with a lower leg injury. He responds to a Ryan Tannehill 86-yard go-ahead touchdown drive with one of his own 14 plays, 75 yards. That culminated with this. That's how you cue it up, baby. And it's second and goal from the one with 45 seconds left. The Dolphins leading by four. Seattle, second and goal from the one. Wilson lobs it up to the end zone. Cut. Doug Baldwin. Touchdown. Touchdown, Seattle, to go back in front with 31 seconds remaining. The final score was 12-10. to 10. The Seahawks hold off the Dolphins. Well, what gives with this game, Greg? I think uh, Wes is in the best position to tell you. He watched it, oh, but for me, I still watched the end of this game, and I had thoughts. All right, Let's well, start. you know what? Then just hold those thoughts inside because <laughs> I want to hear them from Wes first. Well, you said the Seahawks shouldn't be proud of themselves, but Russell Wilson should because down four with four minutes to go after Ryan Tannehill took the lead. And playing on one leg, essentially, Russell Wilson mm. led his own touchdown drive, made some big plays, and he really – his mobility is a big part of his game. He didn't have that today for two two full quarters, two and a half quarters, I think. And to lead this team down with his offensive line really getting manhandled by the – especially on the interior off the offensive line, being manhandled by the Dolphins, it was, it was a strong showing uh, for a guy who we don't – whether you like the label or not, he's just a winner. Yeah, I mean, you know, Seattle's another team that in week one, they've had some issues early in the season, too. And I I think that to get out of here with a win with a hurt quarterback and the way that they did it when they got down and they scored, they gave Miami zero chance to get back in this game with the way that they squeezed the clock out. It was it's you know, this could have been really, really ugly if you fall to Miami. They're they're not worried. I. I mean, I'm sure the coaching staff is going to have things they want to correct, especially on offense, but I don't think they're worried about how many points they were favored by or anything. They're thinking about the fact they got the ball with four minutes left, needing a touchdown to win, and you get it. That's a nice deposit in the old mojo bank, and the Seahawks, how many times have we seen this story with the way they win these games? It's just like... It reminds me, I've said it before on this podcast, it reminds me so much of the early era Patriots and after a while, but you can't say it's luck. That's just what they do. Yeah. How was uh, Seawoke looking, Kristen Michael, in his first game of the season with Thomas Rolls? They had almost an even distribution of carries between Kristen Michael and Thomas Rawls. It seemed Michael got most of the work early. Rawls got a lot of the work in the third quarter. They finally turned back to Kristen Michael on the game-winning drive. He dominated that drive as far as playing time goes. And he outplayed Rawls, which is to be expected after Rawls missed the preseason. This is a one-two punch. We've heard Pete Carroll say that. And I expect it to be the hot hand situation for basically the bulk of the year until one of these guys proves to be superior. But I thought Kristen Michael looked good, and he had his longest run of the day taken away by a penalty. He had 4.4 yards per carry. It probably would have been over five if not for that. I mean, Rawls was at 2.7 yards per carry. I get the hot hand thing, and it's very clear that they're loyal to Rawls, that that last they season trust had a big him. impression. They trust they trust him. But with some running backs, and you know, most teams are running back by committee to some degree, but in terms of Michael, do, do you think he's someone that if you pull him for 12, snap, 12 carries a game versus letting him keep going that you're not going to get the same guy? That's a good question. I, their, their styles are so different that Rawls – uh, he's that, what do they describe him as, a, a bowling ball full of butcher knives? I mean, he's he's the more <laughs> physical. That sounds play. like a Wessism. He's and he gonna, looked amazing last season. He's going to lower his shoulder and power through tackles. Kristen Michael looks like he shot out of a cannon. He just full speed burst up the middle, and that's how he ran today, too. And, and every once in a while, 
one of the reasons they trust Rawls probably over Michael is he'll give you maybe a boneheaded play on the, in the touchdown winning drive. He blocked he blocked an on coming rusher he seems so proud of his block against the rusher or unhappy with the guy well, he, that he starts staring the guy down meanwhile Russell Wilson him throws the a ground. screen pass <laughs> he blocks him to the ground he stands over meanwhile Russell Wilson throws a screen pass it hits uh, Michael on the shoulder pads yeah. I imagine they'll catch that in their uh, team film stuff well he was there was laughing going on between him and the sideline after right that. they were like what are you doing you clown uh, should Dolphins fans feel good about this I mean it is kind of impressive to go there and do some How about Kenny Stills yeah. fans? Uh, oh should they God. feel good about it? Kenny Stills had one of the worst drops. It was like a Kobe, Kobe Fleener level drop. Mm. Wide open, would have been a 70-something yard touchdown probably. No one on the screen, and he just dropped and it. In a game that ended 12-10, you, when you are an underdog on the road, when you those things happen and you lose the game, you just it kills you. Well, you can feel good about your defense if you're the Dolphins. They, yeah. they showed up today, but the wide receiver core with, what, five minutes left in the game? They their wide receivers had ten yards on five catches. Well, Devontae Parker is not there. He's he's not supposed to be there for a while. Jay Ajayi didn't even make the trip because I gotta wonder if he'll be on the team. He's a healthy scratch, and who knows? Arian Someone, Foster looked good. He did. He, he, he averaged less good. than three yards a carry according to the stats. Well, I'm telling you what, yeah. what how he played. He played yeah. well. Also, there was no room catch. to run, but he had that old cutting ability that he had with the Texans was on display today. I mean, if their if their front line can be that dominant. You know, we were, we talked a lot. Ooh, Russell Wilson maybe an MVP. This Dolphins secondary, one of the worst in the league, and yet they basically did the job. They certainly did enough to win. I mean, it also sounds like Seattle's secondary. Forget about the idea, idea of them taking a step back. It seems like they shut this offense down today. Outside of that, Kenny Stills drop and the uh, the game, the go ahead touchdown that Ryan Tannehill had. That drive, they they didn't play as well then, but for most of the game, yeah, they were dominant. Let's move on, gentlemen. All right. The Buffalo Bills headed to uh, Baltimore to start their season. Rex Ryan, it's been a house of horrors for Rex. He can't, he, he kind of rose to prominence as a coordinator and defensive assistant with the Ravens, but has never beaten them uh, in his time with the Jets and Bills. And that didn't change. A 13-7 loss uh, for the Bills. The Ravens uh, really gave Tyrod Taylor a lot of uh, – Trouble holding the quarterback to just 111 yards passing on 15 of 22. And, uh, you know, I'll speak a little broadly on this one because I didn't really catch any of it. But I will say that that type of performance from Tyrod Taylor, that, that those were kind of peppered into last season too. And that's why I was so surprised when they did hand out the money and I don't know how much was guaranteed. But uh, this type of uh, performance, you're not moving your team. So I'm going to put a little put a little heat on Tyrod here. For in his first game after that big contract, that offense did absolutely nothing against the team that is not. This is not the 2000 Ravens. It's fair to do that because the Ravens said after the game, we wanted to make Tyrod Taylor a quarterback, meaning take his legs away. And what happened was the Ravens turned out their best game on defense in five years as far as mm. total yards 160 total yards. 160 yards. They're the worst offense in the league for week one, Buffalo. Yes. Well, and Sammy Watkins, who at some point needs to be a week-to-week big-money receiver for this team, 43 yards. And it's it doesn't – you know, it wasn't like the Ravens exploded either, but you got Mike Wallace making big plays in this game. That, you, when's the last time Mike Wallace had a 66-yard <laughs> touchdown or something in that realm? I mean, he's, he's back to life, three for 90, 91 on six targets. It, it's, it's just one game, but the Ravens are trying to rebuild – that winning sort of culture, and it might not be the prettiest 
team in the world, but suddenly Dennis Pitt is back on the field. Oh, I remember yeah, him. What a cool story. Great great to see him. He made a few plays and things. Oh, Brashad Perriman's back on the field. Our first-round pick's finally back. Okay, Mike Wallace, this pick, this pickup might help. Joe Flacco is back from his torn ACL. Terrell Suggs makes some some plays, and it's it's something to feel good about. You win an ugly game and you move on. That's the type of thing the Ravens are used to doing. If Dennis Pitt had played for the New York Giants, we would have written three stories per week about him for the last three years. <laughs> well, we did write I a lot about I feel like Dennis I've written Pitt a lot of Dennis Pitt stories, he but got, point taken. He got a fraction of the stories that Victor Cruz did. I want to watch that. Uh, are you still throwing shade at Victor Cruz? No, I'm throwing shade story. at the people who write about Victor Cruz. What a great story about Victor Cruz. Gets back on the field, wins the game in Dallas on week one. Sure, there will be 17 long forms this week about Victor See, Cruz. That's not nice. Think pieces, long forms all over the place. Another guy who... West, New York slander master. In, in fairness, another guy gets a lot of uh, ink from us. Digital ink, Steve Smith Sr. Nine targets in this game, 19 yards. Pro- that probably means he was the least efficient receiver in league. I'm, I'm looking forward to watch and see how that happened, get, you know, high gain of six. So it's going to take them some time maybe to get him That's, back into the Steve flow. Steve Smith's a Hall of Famer. He deserves the ink. Has Absolutely. That, has that ever happened? Five catches for an average of 3.8 yards a carry? Well, uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, it's, it's, I'm sure Travis, Travis Benjamin's attempting to capture those numbers out west. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's what's going on. And let's now move on to Sunday Night Football. It ain't easy being in a room filled with Patriots fans. Oh. Got Greg. Up and down the hill. Greg from Martha's Vineyard, so you know, oh, at least he's from that break. region. Makes sense. Give me a break. Wes, who quit Never. on his hometown team to become a bandwagon job. Oh. Up and down the hill. Someone's a little salty. I don't hear Mark. any lightning crashes or cars crashing in this one. Mark, you know, who's, you know, kind of given up on the Browns as a fan. I have. Now, that's give me actually, a oh, break. I love what an organization the Patriots are. Anyway. Uh, the Pats, things go their way all the time, and it happened again on Sunday night. Chandler Canizero misses a very makeable uh, 47-yarder, was it? Uh, late uh, with seconds to go in the game. The difference in a 23-21 win for the New England Patriots, who uh, without Tom Brady and uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, managed to beat the Cardinals, who could not, could not get down the field uh, uh, close enough for the kicker to make uh, an even easier kick. I mean, you got to make that kick, Chandler. I'm very disappointed in you. So the Patriots are 1-0. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo plays okay. He'll be painted as a god on Monday. Oh, okay. uh, but that's just the way it is in this country uh, of bandwagon jumpers. Uh, here we go. Wow. Greg, take it away. I've never seen Dan so salty, so uh, <sighs> taking it personally. And- it's not personally. I'm just a real fan. That's all. The Jimmy Garoppolo, first of all, you you said people are going to make him out to be great. What more do you want? He goes into Arizona, one of the most talented teams in the league. He gets them to score, I think, almost on every second-half drive, including a drive when they needed points to go ahead. And he doesn't have Nate Solder, his left tackle. He doesn't have Gronk. And he, and he does everything you need to do. Even Christopher Wesseling, who's been doubting Garoppolo this whole time, was impressed by what he saw. If you can get a backup quarterback to play like that in the NFL, you're going to win a lot of games. I, I you Listen, th- this was just a fun game. I know Dan is painting us all as Patriots fans, but it is. But honestly, it was a great game. It was it a was, great game. I was rooting for the Cardinals, but that was a fun second half. I, I think both teams show – well, listen, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals – had they known the circumstance of this game months ago and who would be in and who would be out, 
to think they would lose this game. Got to win home. that game. Got to win that game. Got to win that game. You gotta you gotta make the kick and get out of there with the win. They didn't play very well uh, in this game. And the Patriots, and to the credit of the, that coaching staff and and Garoppolo, who played well, uh, you know they deserve the win. But at the same time. The Cardinals, the mojo was lacking for much of this game. But then the second half, they were making plays. David Johnson was making plays. Larry Carson Palmer wow. made some great throws. Larry Fitzgerald put on a show sure. in the fourth quarter. But you got to win this game. The defense got to win it. They kept they kept the Patriots out of the end zone. But what they couldn't do is stop them on third down in the second half. The Patriots wasted a lot of time and they kicked field goals and they were very productive on offense, even though they weren't lighting up the scoreboard. They were moving the ball. I know this doesn't happen every time Larry Fitzgerald's on national TV, but it seems like every time he's on national TV, he just puts together like the highlight film that you can use in his Hall of Fame. Well, and it reminds me of the Packers game two games ago for the Cardinals in the playoffs where Larry Fitzgerald just decided to take over the contest, and there was nothing he couldn't do. He can't kick the field goal, though. That's the one thing he couldn't do. Well, they had the holding call. You know, There was a lot of strategy in terms of the timeouts. Belichick used the timeouts very strangely. If they had gotten the ball back, I think he would have been criticized. Arians used his timeouts strangely. Uh, but then Carson Palmer on third and 24th throws a dart to Jerron Brown. I mean, they, they made enough plays that you would want to see to win. I don't know if, if you're a Cardinals fan, if you're overly concerned, but it's a home loss, and they're in a tough division against Seattle, and every game counts. I think you have to be a little bit concerned, especially – the one position you've been talking about for a couple of months with them. Yeah. Cornerback, Brandon Williams is a problem out there. He might be a good player someday, but he's a liability right now. Well, this is a game where I think it helps the Patriots that they've been planning for this game for a while. And I know they're missing players, but Garoppolo was put in a situation to succeed. Some of the plays to Hogan in the first half and, and then Bennett. It, they were plays that were well-designed, but you have to give him credit for getting out of trouble a lot of times when the pocket was collapsing around. I thought Garoppolo was very poised. It, he made a number of big throws, and the game would have been quite different at the end. There was a third down play where he escaped the pocket yeah. and was running towards the first down marker deep in Cardinals territory. He didn't get it. They had to kick the field goal, but had he snuck forward a few more yards and gotten the first down, Cardinals probably wouldn't have even gotten the opportunity to kick that field so goal. So many good plays in this game. What, Dan, you have to at least enjoy it on some level for the football of it. Yes, all. It I would have enjoyed game. it a lot more if... A, the Cardinals won. <laughs> B, uh, if my team won today, then I could just be more like sitting back and enjoying it. But I need the Patriots to bomb during this Brady uh, absence. So them being handed a, a victory on Sunday night in week one <laughs> and by the football gods who apparently are not even keeping track of who gets all the breaks oh. uh, <laughs> on a, a kick that you should just put straight down the middle and we all go home as winners 24-23. Oh, what can I say? I mean, some teams have all the luck. The Patriots, congratulations. Well, where the luck what, what comes I do in a little it? bit. Now, if you're the Patriots, this was the game everyone talked about all offseason. How do you possibly win in Arizona without Tom Brady in week one? Now you're home for the next three weeks against the Dolphins, the Texans, and the Bills. It is very possible. Everyone said, you got to get out of this Garoppolo situation at least 2-2. Two and 4-0 two. and oh is a possibility. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. It's always If I you're lucky. Patriots fan. Yeah, you guys are excited for I'm not a fan at all. I it's easy 
two and, and two, I would two say and two is very much possible too. You wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't expect it at this. Well, point. Well, that would be disappointing, Greg, it, it to lose be, two games of, against the Dolphins, Texans, and Bills. Of course, it would. It would be disappointing when when all three of those games are at home. But now there's tape on Garoppolo. People are going to make adjustments. Things are going to change. This seemed to be a game where they really played their A game, but I don't think they were lucky in any way, because if, if you look at the two drives, the two teams back and forth, they're even in total yards, they're even in yards per play. They're, everything about this game were two teams that looked even, which is surprising when you're when you're missing Tom Brady. One had a kicker that made a 53-yarder, one had one that missed a makeable 40-something yarder in 2016. And I mean, I think the Patriots deserve all the credit in the world, and that's the danger now of everybody in the AFC, because now you look at that schedule, like Mark, you're saying, there's no way they're going to do any worse than two and two. So now they're okay. You lose that first game, and then you start. There's some panicking going on, and then you think, oh, is one and three possible? Could it be worse? The Pats are going to be okay now. Well, and the Patriots, That's a huge win for the Patriots. It is. And the Patriots, even had they lost this, and, and I know you're not going to like this comment, Dan, they're not a yeah. team that does panic. And they that, they just do things a little bit differently than, than our teams. And as a Jets fan, I would say, you know, one option for you if it gets real bleak is yeah. to do what I do, which is turn off your internal world entirely and have zero <laughs> expectations <laughs> I can't about the it. team you grew up rooting for. No, I can't. I, yeah, I can't. You're in a total rebuild mode, so I get that. So you're able to be a little more detached. West quit on the Bengals, now carrying the I'd never quit up, on and, the up and down the, the hill. quit on me. <laughs> before the, before the starting, yeah. Wes is singing up and down the hill. <laughs> carrying that water up and down the hill. Like I mean, we've got to get some video of, of Wes doing this because the <laughs> arm <laughs> motions are just fantastic. The corporate overlords decided we didn't need video of our show. Oh, but, that's right. Um, yeah, so that's it. Good win, Greg. You, you happy? You're a very happy man today. I'm, I was happy before that. Yes, this, this is – this is kind of old school. I'll tell you something about Greg, by the way. This is an old school Patriots thing. All it's right, like you done? like to see a situation where things are against them. You were what open about the fact that you were excited to see what would happen with I Garoppolo s- for four weeks. I said that you, in April, that I you thought did. there's something about it that I'm curious. I want to see how they respond as a whole team. Greg, at one point, while we were, it was like midway through the fourth quarter, started snapping. Uh, at me and that, Mark. He was honking. He was honking. He's like, oh, I have to. Oh, I was holding back about the Browns and Jets, and this is what I get in return. And it's uh, like, it was uh, like, that's not what like, I said what? By the way, I'm over here rooting for the yeah, Patriots. I was, just mildly, the so. I, was, I was pointing out a truth, which is that when the Jets and the Browns are on, we're sensitive enough. We're not We're not catcalling out and, yeah. and making fun of bad plays and this, that. Well, that's oh, because you guys not? are busy doing your own stuff. No, but like. I'm allowed to uh, watch a game and be excited, but you were honking, which was showing you as a real fan, which was good. I was into I liked this game. It. I liked this. I thought like, this oh, was it's so game. hard to be a Patriots fan. Well, hold on. I mean, let's talk about one thing. This was Everyone's the best week one we've seen since any of us have yes. worked Six here. games decided by two points or less. Wow. Would have been seven if there was a silly safety on laterals in Indianapolis. Uh, it would have been seven games. So it really was seven games. So wow. probably – I think it goes without saying the most competitive week and one of all time. And that doesn't even count the twenty-seven to three comeback or whatever it was, twenty-four to three by the Chiefs, which they won in overtime, which was another great game. Absolutely. Crazy. So there's, you know, listen, bad week for me personally, but a great week uh, for watching the NFL. And uh, that's it. That's it for uh, the week one recap, which ends on a very sour note. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. That's it. Dan, it's only going to get worse from here. I know. Well, that's the thing. You start to have these realizations. Spoiler alert. The nightmare's happening once again. Spoiler alert. Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Ooh. I think we're looking at a what Patriots. What a bold Seahawks prediction by Chris Wessling.
<laughs> the Patriots going to the Super Bowl? Well, you act like can't happen. they won tonight, that made their season. They're they done. were already oh, going to the Super Bowl. It's over. They are absolutely 13-3, 14-2. Same thing they do every year. Done. It's done. Stamp it. Tuesday, next time you hear us, we will make our official nominations for the team, team of ATL. ATL. Uh, so, uh, you know, after week one, we have a little more to go off. Uh, I believe the Titans, who are the favorite. I would still put the Titans as the favorite right now. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. See what comes up on Game Pass. Yeah. We'll watch Game Pass. You go down into your yeah. laboratory and do some findings. I will go down to my lab, and I'll see what I find. Uh uh, but I will not be nominating the Titans. I can tell you that. And thanks to this everyone. This group needs some options. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to nominate. I I support the Titans as an as an idea, but I'm going to nominate a different team too. Great. Th- thanks to everyone that watched us on Periscope. We did find out next next week we're going to blow it out a little more. It'll be a little more high, high quality. I don't know. It'll we be probably cool. should have done it for it. this game recap too. But that will, all that stuff we'll figure out. Um, uh, in our attempt to reach you, the loyal listener slash viewer, um, if if we're not going to get help in this building, we're going to do it ourselves. That's we're how we've have... been doing it from the start. All right. That's it for uh, Sunday night's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. That's fine, Brent. That's fine, Brent. Irish, I'll throw you that bone. Irish, a sneaky Patriots fan. Yeah. Uh, Irish's dad actually told me that he's a Patriots and Giants fan which I found at odds. It's impossible. How could one be a fan of both of those teams? Covering all your bases. That baby boomer stuff. You know what I mean? I don't get it. All right. Can I have the real outro now? (laughs) I won't. I won't go off on that. Yeah, I get garbage. (laughs) That's it. From a man who follows his team and never gives up, this is Dan Anzis signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, and The Irishman Behind the Glass. Till Tuesday! Whenever when you're sitting in the room with four Patriots fans, it gets a little all right. After a while, <laughs> I mean, I have nothing to enjoy Congrats in football. In I, water up and down the hill. I had nothing to enjoy in the sport of football at up all. And so, down the you know, hill. I just like a good that good that was a good game, is what it was. Chop that wood, carry that water. <laughs> Whatever, follow. But Dan, you know what? Let's <laughs> get let's start numbers. taping right now because this is it. great stuff. This is raw exactly. anger. I like the bandwagon exactly. is full. This is exactly. fantastic. Fifteen years and running. All right, here carry we go. I'm gonna start it. Water up and down the thing. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.